We're back for another episode of Bits Over Broadway. Bits Over Broadway. Oh, very Mae West today. Thank you. I uh, <laughs> wanted to channel her a little bit Yeah. after a certain episode of a TV show that Which... may or may not have featured a character that oh, made fun of her. Really you wild. Know. Um, oh, I know. saw an interview once and the they were bra- – like it was on a podcast about The Real Housewives and the mm-hmm. guest that they had on was – one of her credits was a writer for RuPaul's Drag Race. And I was like, as an avid fan of the show, I would never tell people that I wrote for it. Never. The, okay. Like the joke. Where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? I I I do like that show. Um, a lot of people think that because I criticize it a lot means that I don't like it. <laughs> But actually, um, I do. But like actually, it. I really do like RuPaul's Drag Race. I want it to I be just better. wish <laughs> that it was better, mm-hmm. and that they had jokes. real comedy writers mm-hmm. that weren't writing jokes that RuPaul likes. Yes, and were t- writing actual real jokes. I will say that the, it's a very good room if you're writing for things to make RuPaul laugh. Exactly. Those writers could teach the girls a thing or two during the snatch game. For sure. <laughs> Fully. Like 100%. All right. We're back with another uh, in our deep cut series here our on Bits deep Over cuts, Broadway. Baby. Uh, today's musical has the honor of being the most expensive Broadway flop. And the, the most short-lived the most Broadway short-lived flop. Broadway show. A real uh, producer's situation. Honestly, yes. Um, um, except for this one did not secretly become a hit after <laughs> it, it aired. <laughs> aired. It performed aired. on Broadway. Debuted. Um, yeah, we're talking about Carrie the Musical this week. Carrie the Musical. Based oh, on the man. Stephen King novel, which I'm sure Connor will get into when he discusses yes. this. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's wild. It's such a okay. I I know we're gonna talk about it, but I actually really like this show. I kind of loved it. I'm gonna be honest. I hate to tip my hand here. I know the viewers are always anxiously awaiting me to tell them whether or not to, I fucking hated it, but I gonna exactly. like it. I gonna like listen. It. Right. It's like yeah. <laughs> let's let's actually get into it. Connor, hit us with some facts and figs. Facts and figs. Facts and figs. Yes. That was a really nice. Mm-hmm. I love. Okay. I, I know that I said that I wanted like a heavy metal riff like with mm-hmm. facts and figs. But I got to say the sexy, smooth sexy, like jazz. smooth jazz. It's doing it for me. Kind of doing it for me. Facts and figs. Oh. So Carrie the Musical has music written by Michael Gore, lyrics by Dean Pitchford, and book by Lawrence Cohen. And like Meryl said, it is based on the 1974 novel Carrie by Stephen King. Did Lawrence Cohen write another thing? Have we covered <clears throat> him before? Is he um, let me see. Let me who's check. The, I have who's there. the Larry that you like? <laughs> the Larry. No, he's that's um he da, 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 da. he helped adapt um King's novels. It and the Tommyknockers. I've never heard of either. So he he helped um, the Tim Curry adaptation of it. He helped oh, like write that. Interesting. Um, so he he's also, more of a horror writer than he he he's more of a screenwriter. He also it looks like he worked on the 1976 film adaptation of Carrie with Sissy Spacek. Fascinating. Um, 
and I know for a fact that Michael Gore um, did the music for other musicals like Fame, um, yeah. Camp, uh, and um, he also did the music for um, Pretty in Pink and a couple of other movies as well. So they were not like coming out of left field. Or- I was thinking of Lawrence O'Keefe. The mm. other Larry. The other Larry. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Similar Lawrence because Heather's Cohen. is basically right. Carrie, but for but the 80s. Nine, yeah, but 80s for sure. Right. Okay. Um, Sorry, continue with your facts and figures. No, you're fine. It's fine. Uh, so the production history is obviously very short. <laughs> Uh, it had an out-of-town tryout in 1988 in Stratford-upon-Avon in England. It opened in February and then closed uh, later that, I think, in uh, May. No, that's not true. I think it was only open for like four weeks in um, in England. Okay. And then in uh, that same year, in 1988, it transferred to Broadway and was open for 16 previews <laughs> and five performances. It's really wild. Um, the history, I was reading a little bit about like what happened and why the show um, flopped so badly. Um, so in the 80s, it transferred over from England for $8 million, which was like a wildly expensive sum money. at that time. And that's just what a Lin-Manuel Miranda made to write Hamilton. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, (laughs) menace to society. Um, So it's like the production was notoriously chaotic. Apparently what happened was um, they uh, had a ton of technical problems. The script was a mess in the original production. Um, One of the, I mean, the show was, is really technical, technically heavy. You, uh, Marilyn and I, um, have both seen a production of it. Yes. Right. You saw the one um, in Kansas City. Yes. Um, it was a regional theater production. Um, the and unicorn? no, it uh, was, um, uh, oh my God. It was one of the smaller theater productions or uh, production companies. But um, it's uh, in the English, the um, the original production in England, they continually had problems with like, when they would pour the pig's blood on Carrie, yeah. um, the mics would short out. <laughs> they sense. had um, the woman who played Margaret, Carrie's mother, mm-hmm. was almost decapitated by a set piece at one point. Jesus Christ. Um, so then when it transferred to Broadway, it um, they were trying to really capitalize on the De Palma film. Uh-huh. So they had Betty Buckley, who played the teacher, come yeah. in and um, – perform right and um it opened to like wildly mixed reviews Mm -hmm. and it actually like kind of got panned a lot um and even though they were selling out performances in that first week all of the investors pulled their money and they complete reviews is what it because of the reviews which is truly crazy yeah, like the the reviews were panning the show completely, so all of the investors yeah. pulled their money, and the show had to close because there was no way to keep it open. Exactly. Um, so, which what? is why it closed down so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually hasn't like it like people have written histories about this and like why uh, it uh, ended out the way that it did, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of inspired it's. 
along the lines of like uh, Rocky Horror, because as we go on, we see that um, there was an off-Broadway revival in 2012 um, after a staged reading in 2009. And the reading had actually people, we had people like Sutton Foster, Marin Mazzi. Um, I think I saw a couple of other big names in the reading cast. One second. Um, Jennifer Damiano, Matt okay. Doyle, like big Broadway names were involved in the reading and they had reworked the book and they basically like gutted the entire original production of its songs and yeah. replaced a bunch of them. Um, and that ran from January 2012 until April for 34 previews and 46 performances, which is three times the amount that the original <laughs> production did. <laughs> Um, that one, it kind of got, uh, mixed reviews. Famously, Ben Brantley hated it. Okay. Well, Um, is anyone surprised? No, not at all. (laughs) Um, we will fight to the death one day and I will win and I will win. Um, Um, just really quick. It was EGAD's theater company in Kansas city that I saw it. Yes. That is, that's (laughs) the one. Had to scroll back through my Instagram six years. (laughs) But, uh, and then it. Also did a off West End production mm-hmm. in May 2015, and then um, LA actually re like did it, and they created it one of those like immersive environmental theater real shows, sleep, like no more situation, real sleep no more situation. It's like okay, LA, we get it. <laughs> okay, we get it. You want to touch people? Um, it did get nominated for awards. The original production in '88 was nominated for a Theater World Award award and outer critics award but there were only four acting um awards Hmm. they the original actress who played carrie um was nominated for like best debut and she won um and then in the 2012 they uh because it was off broadway it didn't get any tony nominations but it did get drama desk nominations drama league outer critics circle and lucille lotel awards but it didn't win any Uh and then um, I feel like Carrie is a very uh, large cultural touchstone because it's sure. – especially with the movie, people know that very well, even mm-hmm. if you haven't read the book. But just a quick synopsis, Carrie focuses on an awkward teenage girl with telekinetic powers whose lonely life is dominated by an impressive religious fanatic mother. When she is humiliated by her classmates at the high school prom, she unleashes chaos in everyone and everything in her path. It's the famous uh, girl in a prom dress with a bucket of blood all over her. Yeah. Uh, it's a famous scene. Um, I had not seen this movie um, until last night. <laughs> oh, and, really? So, uh, wh- so Mitch and I decided to rent it and uh, watch it. And it is crazy. Not it's as scary wild. as I thought. I'll be honest. The only jump scare we got was right at the very end. Um, so I was imp- I was glad that it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I I read the it's book a couple sad. of <laughs> <laughs> I read the book a couple of um, years ago, and it's also not as scary. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've been finding is that because uh, I've been rereading, I've been reading a lot of Stephen King novels over the past few years. Uh, his books are really not that scary. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> that's fair. They're well written. They're very good, but I don't find them very scary or terror or like terrifying to read. Okay. Of course, I've only read a couple, mm-hmm. um, and I've read more of his famous ones. But um, I'm sorry, I have to say it. It is fucking boring. 
<laughs> 1,000 pages to tell this story about a murder clown? I mean, come on. <laughs> I've had not it. even in most I'm, of those pages. No, he's not. It, a lot of it is just about, like, this horrible history of this town in Maine that is, like, brutalizing, like, gay people and burning black people down in a club. Like, yeah, but don't you see? It was the murder clown all along. It was the murder clown all along. And it's just... Uh, it's one thousand pages. It took me two months to finish that book. I was so bored. Pages. That's actually it's pretty 1, fast. One thousand pages. You were dedicated to reading it. I just finished. Well, a because I wanted to get it over with. A six hundred page book, and it took me three months because I was like, oh I my keep god, going back to this. I was not dedicated to the class. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was. It's just so boring. But I, when I read Carrie, I actually enjoyed it. I thought oh, it was more sci-fi. Um, okay. Yeah, it's definitely. It's it's also really interesting the way that he does it because um, he tells the the book is um, through uh, told in like newspaper clippings, diary entries, letters, that oh. sort of thing, and interviews as opposed to like a traditional narrative storyline. Um, and he did that specifically to like play with the idea of narrator and like the reliability and. Yeah. Who's telling the story and who's who's telling the real story? What's real? Like what's going on? And he also focused a lot on the female characters because Carrie's supposed to be a, a like a kind of a weird like feminist story almost, um, which we can talk about. I will say I think the musical did a good job of making Sue's character more sympathetic mm-hmm. and. And kind of fleshing that character and that story out more than the movie. And I think it did a good job um, making the mom not seem so insane. There was more like, um, I'm going to get this name wrong, from Tangled. Mother Gothel, is that her name or something? Yeah, Mother Gothel. Um, More like she's still bad and we can all agree like she's crazy and she's bad and she's abusive but it does a better job of um like ren- rendering her a little more human i think in the musical agreed her she's- songs are like really and it's performed by maren mazzy who's mm-hmm. a broadway stand like broadway um staple yeah. she's amazing she's very talented but um her music is like some of the most interesting yes. in the show because it's like she's like wrestling with all these things about her daughter and like all because like oh it's just it's really good yeah <laughs> so let's yeah dive let's dive in, in. um also speaking Mary of Mazzy, in, RIP, oh, yeah. she passed away two years ago yes that is correct um speaking of in yes this opening number <laughs> Fucking this banger. This is a classic <laughs> high school opener. Oh, I love this it. This is the after today of Carrie. After today yes. from a goofy movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great end of school, oh, high school God. song, in my oh, it's opinion. So good. It is so good. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> it is very good. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I was a little like, nervous at first, and then I was like fully on board with it. Yeah. It totally keys you into like what the show is about because mm-hmm. the entire song is, is just like <laughs> high school sucks and I just want to fit in <laughs> and that like that gives you everything that you need. Um, I will say that if we're like comparing because I think I feel like Carrie is sort of like the protogenitor to Heather's, which is then the proto the prototype of Mean, mean Girls. girls. Um, 
I feel like if I were to compare those three musicals, I think Heather's has the better of the like keying you into what's going on in the opening number okay. with like high school as hell. Um, but this one just fucking bops. Should like, we make mm. a bracket? <laughs> <laughs> of which show would win? <laughs> of, sh- of shows set in high school with a misfit leading the cast, like yeah. being the protagonist. <laughs> and we're going to do a bracket <laughs> to yes. see who wins. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Um, um, yeah, no, it, it, it gets you in the vibe. I think it definitely sets the time period as well. Yeah. Um, well, I know for the musical that they kind of took it out of the 70s. They like bring it into the modern They do. Era. They definitely don't use as much uh slang, I guess. Right. Um but I still it still felt um the period of high school that everyone fake remembers that was never actually the period of high school they went when they went there, but they're just like mm-hmm. you remember when we all took cars to the prom and and we <laughs> Went and got milkshakes at a drive. Like, what time period are you referring to? Like, exactly. It's always this weird, I don't know, made up high school land. And I think it does a good job of firmly like planting its feet into generic time to be in high school. Yeah, fully. Um, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just really it's fun. fucking love this it's fun. number. I like it. It's fun. I used to listen to it all the time driving to and from Kansas City and Columbia when I was living in Columbia. Um, it's such a bop. For sure. That's it. That's it. Um, okay, so the next song, The Wizard and I. Oh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> but it is. But it the, is The Wizard it, and I. It's the I but Want it song. It's the, it is The Wizard when and I. When I'm it famous, is the I you'll song. all be so mad you treated me so mean. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, what is Carrie if not another way of telling the story of Wicked? And what is Carrie if she's not Taylor Swift? <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Finally, somebody said it. Someone I've been said it. This whole time. Oh, God. No, it's a good song. I, um, okay, also, there are no, I meant to say this at the top, there are no recordings of the 1988 cast. So what that we're working off is the 2012 revival revival album i was reading um in the history that for the longest time there are you can see bootlegs of the passed around bootlegs yeah of the original production Mm -hmm. i watched a little bit of the opening number very 70s i want to see um they're like they're it's actually more 80s because they're doing like the workout class with like the leg warmers and Uh, like that's the opening number that's how they do it um but apparently for the longest time, the only cast recording until 2012 was from a Norwegian middle school, and they had translated the songs from like <gasps> no, like into English like, Norwegian English. <laughs> yeah, English Norwegian English. So like the wild. songs were like really weird. I gotta and wild. hear it. <laughs> I honestly wish I could find it, and I wish I had read that before we started recording. This will um, consume <laughs> me for the next. For the foreseeable future. We will track it down. We will put it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Um, Amazing. Yeah, but there are um, bootlegs and you can they're just like hanging out on YouTube. You, you can find them. You can peep those. Um, yeah. Open your heart. Why don't I remember this? It looks like it. This is the one. And her mom. And who's Wayne yeah. Wilcox? Uh, he is the um, preacher. That her mom is listening to. Oh, okay. 
Gotcha. Oh wait, no, you're reading. You're reading. Oh wait, no, you're right. You're on the 2012 production. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, that's the her mom is like listening to the preacher mm-hmm. when Carrie comes in, and um, I I've been thinking about this a lot and the way that uh Stephen King uses religion in this mm-hmm. story and like how religion is used, Ooh, and it's it's really interesting. I was reading somebody's analysis of the book. Um, and they were talking about how like, uh, Carrie was sort of before the exorcist mm-hmm. and in Carrie, Carrie and the exorcist kind of like take two different looks at religion and horror. Mm-hmm. Whereas like an exorcist religion is sort of like this savior ideal. It's, um, what is used to, it's used to like protect people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Carrie, religion is looked on as like the bad thing it's oppressive Mm -hmm. it's the it's part of the horror of the show for sure um it's and it's really interesting to like kind of untangle the point of religion in the show um because it's like is it looking at it as abuse is it looking at it as like redemption for sue because um they in the musical they really do use sue as the main character as opposed to carrie yeah um, because she's this, the 2012 revival kind of like puts her at the center of the action and makes her it, the entire musical, like her recollection of what happened. Yeah. Um, so it's like, is religion because, especially because that by the end of the show, Sue is like her final song. The epilogue is like calling for like empathy and redemption is that like, does that, does religion play into that? Mm-hmm. Um, that was my, English level 101 <laughs> analysis of religion. No, we love Stephen it. King's carry. I love it. It's, uh, I, I also just, I, I love, I, I have a really interesting relationship with horror because I like, I really like horror, but yeah, I don't like watching but horror. I don't like being scared. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think that horror is really interesting in the way that it like can like look at um, metaphor and uh, all these different things in society and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, we can go right into the discussion. We can segue, um, not even segue, but like going more into religion turning abusive. Um, and Eve was weak being the next song. Yes. Um, basically, Carrie's um, like, her- I got my period. Uh, why didn't you tell me about this for uh, 18 years of my life? <laughs> Would have been cool to have a heads up um, because I did think that I was dying. And that's fair. To think. That is fair. That's when you fair. just start bleeding out of nowhere and you're not expecting yeah, it. Yeah, and your whole body feels bad and you're like, oh, no, I'm in pain. This certainly couldn't be a natural thing that's happening to me. <laughs> Surely someone <laughs> would have mentioned. And then her mom you is would like, have hoped. you dirty whore, you got your period and now you're dead to me. Now you're dead to me and I'll never speak to you again. Go in your cellar. It's Go into your closet, you little freak. <laughs> you little freak bitch. And my thing is, is like, um, why is the mom so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Does she not know what biology is? No, I know we say this every week. Okay. Not every week, but you know, go off. Just because you have suffered trauma doesn't mean that you get to be abusive. Does not give you license to be an asshole. The mom clearly suffered trauma. Yes, that has that is rampantly unchecked for uh some time, decades. (laughs) While religion, it's almost like abuse as a form of like 
anxiety preparedness. Like she's so anxious that her daughter is going to like suffer the same troubles or traumas Mm -hmm. that she's like psychotic about protecting her from them. Right. It's truly, it's bananas. But it's just, to me, it's like insane because you have this, like, this is a biological thing that happens. Right. Like, it's not like. I mean, you could say that, but people are like, Katrina was punishment for being gay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, that's just what nature is. But like, I mean, but no, but like, it's a, it's a biological process. And in my mind, I'm like, okay. You cannot, and this is the problem with, and I'm about to pop off, this is the problem with <laughs> abstinence-only education. You cannot sit here and use the Bible and be like, hey, um, if you pray really, really fucking hard, mm-hmm. you're not going to get your period and you won't be a sinner. <laughs> like, that's not how biology works. There is, sorry to, to veer off here, there's an episode of Always Sunny called uh, Reynolds versus Reynolds. And at some point, the episode devolves into Mac trying to prove that evolution isn't real. I I know this episode. And he just pulls up three pictures of a scientist and then slaps the word bitch across their face. (laughs) It's like, Galileo was right. He was the smartest scientist in the world. And then he was wrong, proving once again, he was a science bitch. (laughs) And I just feel like... I feel like that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing yes. with a level of delusion where you just slap a piece of paper across Sir Isaac Newton's face that says, bitch. <laughs> that is fully Marin Mazzy in this show. Yes. She's just fucking bitch. 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 <laughs> bitch. Just all over again. Carrie White, bitch. bitch. I also want to say that this gym coach is way too involved in Carrie's life. Okay, I just want to say one thing about this teacher. <laughs> okay, and let me she just say one more thing. <laughs> let, me just, let me just pop off one more time. This teacher fucks up everything. At every step of the way, at every, every moment. Every step of the way! She's wrong and she's trying her best, so I guess I respect that. But also, like, this is skipping way ahead. When she sits down with Carrie at the prom and is like, I remember Listen. my prom. And I was like, bitch, not the time. <laughs> and it's like... Do your fucking job. Do your job as a mandated reporter for the state and report that Carrie's mom is not adequately educating her. Thank you. That's not Thank what you. mandated reporters do, but I wish they could. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, she could have stopped. If she had been, like, less involved in Carrie's life and slightly more objective and I know objectivity doesn't exist and, and like that's a whole nother con- like let's conversation this is a fictional but let's world, pretend so. that um she wasn't out for Sue's head because Sue did one thing wrong in the show like you could have prevented all of this if you had just listened to Sue and been like mm, Sue's not the problem here it's Chris. it's Chris. And speaking of Chris. Let's jump right into the world according to Chris. The oh, best damn fucking. Jam. Oh, the best fucking number in the entire show. It's really show. good. I love it's that. It's so fucking it's good. It's really fun. It is such a fucking bop. It's such a fun way to learn about this character. Um, it really like shows you her worldview and um, 
everything that drives and motivates this character. And it is such a goddamn bop. Yeah, it's really fun. And you're introduced to a lot of other characters um, through mm-hmm. song because this is obviously not sung through. There's quite a bit we're missing of the book. Um, yeah. A lot's happening on stage that isn't happening during the sung parts. But it's a nice um, intro for the other characters we're going to be interacting with since we haven't seen them or haven't heard them yet it's like oh mm-hmm. here's chris the antagonist here's her boyfriend who helps her you know um sue and tommy yeah. i think make an appearance like you know it's it's just a nice introduction to um sort of carrie's bullies yeah absolutely <laughs> it's kind of wild because like at one point in the show or in the song sue is like i just feel really bad about what we did to carrie and tommy's like sue do you know what you could do you, you could just like say, say sorry. Say you're sorry. And Sue's like, Whoa! Mitch, <laughs> like, I want you totally. to drop in Kristen Chenoweth from Wicked going, just say you're sorry. Just say you're sorry. <laughs> but like um, Sue fucking loses no, really, her really. mind like that never. She truly to her. was like oh, wild. Can elaborate. I'd love to hear more on that. I would love to hear more on this. <laughs> Speak on that. Speak on that. Uh, say sorry, you said? Yeah, she is right? really mind blown by it. But mind blown. I will say I did like that because it does feel very, um, in the same way that reality TV is blown up over things. I think high school gets the same way where you're just like, I couldn't just say sorry. Right. There's so much more at play here. And you're like, if you just said sorry, a lot of this would get resolved very quickly. Exactly. If you just stopped acting like a fucking lunatic. Right. This if could you all would like go away a lot faster. If you just you genuinely don't... were sorry. Right. Like you don't need to concoct this elaborate scheme for Tommy to take Carrie to the prom. And like, then like what? and what's the end game there? Because like right. then what she thinks that he likes her and then she's like in best case scenario she thinks tommy wants to date her and she it means way more to her than it's meant to and worst case scenario she uses her telekinetic powers to shut all the doors and burn everyone to death (laughs) and And honestly we went worst case scenario (laughs) we went worst case scenario it's just you hate to see it, but sometimes that's just the outcome you get when you concoct a dumbass scheme a, as a teenager. A scheme. Like, and, like, truly, play that out to its end. It doesn't make any sense, Sue. And I like Sue. And oh, I yeah. like where she's where her head's at. But damn, She's Sue, trying to do the sorry. right thing. She's trying to do the right thing, but she doesn't understand that doing the right thing would just be apologizing. <laughs> the right thing in this case is don't um, – bully your classmates exactly (laughs) and that is a lesson that we all learned in dare (laughs) right is that what dare was Mm, i don't remember dare was about not fucking lions i think oh wait that lion was so hot see connor you didn't learn the lesson i didn't learn the lesson (laughs) the lion is not hot and you don't want to have sex with him see dare was the reagan administration's (laughs) response to cats because they were like cats was too horny too horny we need to teach all these kids not to fuck lions it's it's good that we have time to invent these conspiracy theories yeah i like that it's good for our brains it's like sudoku yeah 100 (laughs) percent. keeps your brain keeps your brain fresh we gotta do something to stay active you know Um, okay so the world according to chris and then we're back in the um i wanted to i feel like 
religion. Um, <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to jump because we're talking about Chris mm-hmm. and Sue, and we have our three like or our four main female characters now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about like what this show says about feminism, about uh, women in general. Yeah, female empowerment and that sort of thing. Well, I, I, I'm i kind of throwing this one to you because Damn. I'm famously not a woman. <laughs> famously, I am a woman, tragically. <laughs> right now, annoyingly. Uh, what it says about feminism. I don't know. I think it does a good job of... Um, I think everyone gets a good dose of flaws, mm-hmm. um, which I always appreciate. Uh, I find pretending like girl boss queen superstar goddess feminism is cloying like and unrealistic so i enjoy when women are like flawed and Mm -hmm. uh, can fail just as hard as men that's a quality um it's quality that's quality. as ariana grande would say it's a quality it's a quality um (laughs) i don't know i don't think of it as particularly speaking to feminism other than it is a majority it is a story between women Mm -hmm. but i don't think that it i don't feel that women react physically like in the way that chris wants to do where she actually wants to like physically affect carrie by Mm -hmm. dumping blood on her even though she's like removed from that act it's not like throwing a fist to me that doesn't seem like uh, the normal narrative for women i don't know sure I, i'm trying to do this live on the air because it was thrown into the hot seat i'm so sorry <laughs> making me think critically and my brain is atrophied into <laughs> this good this bad this good this bad <laughs> um do this not that <laughs> yeah i don't know it's in it's interesting how both chris and um sue not manipulate the men in their lives but like ask favors of the men in their lives in order mm-hmm. to help them and carry essentially use them to their own own to means. their own ends yeah and and um carrie and her mom don't really other than the pastor that her mom listens to margaret listens to carrie and margaret don't really have a male force in their lives that's true um I thought I think it's uh it's just interesting because like horror famously has always had a misogyny problem for sure. And I I don't know in my view sometimes I think that maybe the lesson of this movie could be reduced to menstruation makes women want to murder. <laughs> I could see an argument for that. And I'm not saying that that's what the the thing is. I'm saying that people could make that argument. Yeah, of course. I could follow Um, that. Yeah. I, but I, I agree. I think that this uh, showcases female characters with um, flaws and, but also strengths because you see different types of strength. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Sue is more empathetic. You have Carrie who is like literally a murderer. (laughs) And then you have Chris who's like, I am going to get my way no matter what. Mm -hmm. So it, it showcases different personalities for all of the, the women in the show, which is really great. Um, And they're all, relatively fleshed out i feel like i think so too um which makes it enjoyable Uh, it feels Mm -hmm. i think it's good that i don't that i have to think harder about how the female characters interact with one another 
Um, because normally when female characters are not well-written, it's immediately apparent. And I'm right. like, well, yeah, why would I even engage with that? Like, yeah, they're one note. Here's their job. They're a screaming true. They're, you know, yeah. just there for because she's fat or whatever the fucking trope might be. It can be distilled down, I think, more into tropes a lot yeah. of times. And I didn't feel that way about this one other than like Chris is the bully, but she plays such a good bully. <sighs> She is such a good villain. <laughs> like I'm like she's such a good villain. Yeah. Um especially after the world according to Chris cuz you just know exactly what she wants, exactly what she stands for and you see her entire plan play out throughout mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Um she's such a good villain. <laughs> yeah. It's really and she's dating a horrible dickhead. Yeah. Um but you're kind of like whatever, I don't even care cuz she's mean to him and he's horrible right back and they're just right this terrible bonnie and clyde garbage pale people (laughs) right which is like what kind of uh when you get to the whole like murder at the prom scene um it kind of it feels earned Mm -hmm. like you finally like you you are rooting for carrie in that moment even though it's horrible and like this terrifying scene yeah you're still rooting for her because you're like yeah these people have been like awful people as we were watching last night this there's a scene at the dance where carrie is dancing with tommy and Mm -hmm. they kiss and then she's like this uh, she says something really nice and he says something really nice back to her and mitch just goes oh this is gonna be horrible isn't it (laughs) like she's so and now we're gonna dump a bucket of blood on yeah. her. It's gonna hurt so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't feel good, I'll be honest. It doesn't it doesn't feel uh good to watch. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to it's, remember what high school was like. Yeah, honestly. And God, this show really makes you feel that, doesn't it? It does, which I think is a mark of a good show. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You really are like in it and going along with it and i i think it's yeah it's really well done agreed ben brantley in his review said that all the high school stuff was one note Mm -hmm. and that it was all like kind of playing the same thing and i was like but think like back to high school school? it's all one note and the note is a 10 (laughs) exactly (laughs) i'll tell you why it's one note the note is horny to the max the note the note is horny and everybody like is just mad all the time. Yeah, horny, mad, and scared. Everyone's mad. Everyone's horny. Um, oh, it's like Carrie says at some point, she's like, I thought uh, it's when her and the teacher are singing during the prom mm-hmm. number. She's like, I thought I was the only one that was that felt this way. And I was like, no. Literally, Literally everybody feels, feels like an outcast. Everyone feels like a, like they're disgusting mm-hmm. and they're just mad and horny all the time like that's ev- that's high school baby that's high school baby that's high school baby yeah um i think i'm i'm skipping ahead but i really liked um sue and tommy's song when they're dancing it's you shine or something like that oh yeah i yeah, skipped yeah. way that's ahead, a really, but i love that song that's a it's a really nice um uh like moment between sue and tommy yeah. um you do because again, the show really does like flesh out its characters a little bit more, and I feel like that also speaks to Stephen King because he is so uh, involved in his characters' lives. Uh-huh. So he really does give the the source material like has a lot of rich um, uh, stuff that the musical can pull from, which right. is good. Yeah. 
Um, I wrote down the teacher kind of sucks because she does. She does kind of suck. She's definitely no Miss Honey. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not <laughs> a Miss Honey. From Trunchbull to Miss Honey, she's not a Miss Honey, but she's no Trunchbull either. <laughs> she is no Trunchbull. Um, so we do like this show, like goes on, and we all know what happens. Um, <laughs> and you get Dreamer in disguise, which is Tommy being like, nobody knows the real me. I love to do poems. I love to do poems, and we're like, okay, you're a you're a you're a boy in high school. Of course, you write poems. <laughs> Everybody does, Tommy. You either write poems or you call them lyrics, but either way, they're poems. They are poems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, uh, what is Once You See? Christy Altimer, so that's got to be Sue. Oh, that's her talking about... Um, oh. That's essentially... This is okay. essentially Sue discovering that, oh, I, I should have empathy. Feelings. I hurt her feelings and I should have empathy for other that's people. So and it's like, yeah. Say you're sorry. <laughs> I really like um, Christy Altimer. Ultimare. Yes. Um. She's on this uh, on this cast recording as Sue, and I think she does a phenomenal job. And I really she does, love yeah, her voice. A really, really good job of it, and um, she sings the hell out of it. Yeah. Um. Unsuspecting hearts. That's the teacher being inappropriate. Um. She's just like, it's so wild that the coach is like, you got asked on a date. Okay, well, go on it. Who knows? It might be great. And Carrie's like, well, what if it? Why is- are you? So- so Why involved in this Shut poor up. girl's life. I don't <laughs> Shut get up. it. I don't get it. Uh, I don't like Yikes. it. Then do me a no, favor. No, I don't either. Which is the song where they're like m- telling their boyfriends. Uh, Sue is like, please do this for me. That would be nice. And right. uh, Chris is like, if you do this, we'll have sex. <laughs> right. Which I love. <laughs> and then... <laughs> she chris is so manipulative like she manipulates billy like nobody's fucking business yeah. but he's also like you said a piece of shit so. yeah he sucks big, he sucks big time he played by yeah. john travolta which i did not know i did not know john travolta was in carrie and then we saw the credits oh and we were like god i forgot wait, about what? that yeah i was like holy shit that's bananas um not the star of that movie but in no it. famously famously i didn't know that was even i haven't seen that movie in many years but i do remember thinking that it was good i liked it um again like i said it wasn't as scary as i thought it was gonna be right i've never seen the the tim curry it but i have seen the new one with bill skarsgård um, sure chapter one and chapter two or whatever the both of them um mm-hmm. and was sufficiently like scared not like in a jumpy fun way um yeah not like psychologically scarred <laughs> but yeah i was definitely getting not like into, midsummer <laughs> not like midsummer oh my god um me trying to figure <laughs> out if i was high or not uh by if the flowers were moving um Truly. but i was gonna say i the movie gave me more time there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie Mm-hmm. It's a lot of long shots in music and um, people like looking at each other and emoting. Uh, so you're trying to read emotions more than the dialogue. Um, right. But it gave me a long, lots of time to think about how psychotic we are when we're in high school. <laughs> like, I could absolutely see the rationale of this plan. Oh, where you're like, it's a funny joke. It's funny that she's going to look bad. 
Right. Like I can see you like um, I can see a teenager talking themselves out of the insane like psychological ramifications that would obviously happen if you were to do this to someone by being like, it's a funny joke. Like I'm just well because uh, because again at that point, her. right? <laughs> like funny. she like because in a teenage mind, it's like, well, she doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm the only one who matters, and I think this is hilarious. Right. You just have like not even so little empathy. You just are selectively empathetic, and you can kind of because your brain's not uh, formed all the way. <laughs> Right. So I can see the like. Because you're still a reptile. You still got your reptile brain. Get your lizard brain. Your lizard brain. Get your lizard brain. Your Um, lizard brain's running the show. I don't know. I just was like, oh my God, I can see how you could justify this as a high schooler, but also like this is plainly horrifying to watch and so upsetting. And why won't anyone stop this? And how, when they were decorating the gym, did nobody see this bucket of blood that was a bucket of pig's blood? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Why were they decorating the night before? That should have been done hours ago. (laughs) I hate that. I'm furious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so then we get to the final act, the final number of this act, which is I remember how those boys could dance. Um, Which is a lot of build up to just Carrie being like, guess what, bitch? I got powers. I got powers. Okay, but I do want to say that this song is basically Carrie being like, mama, puberty is really fucking me up. And Mama just goes, "Well, the Bible says you're fine." <laughs> I already <laughs> Which is like checked. not how to handle this situation <laughs> at all. I'm actually... not a parent. I'm not a parent, but I can definitely say that that is the wrong way to handle this. <laughs> you simply cannot. Um... You simply cannot. Do not use the Bible in your parenting, people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a wild stance. I love it. Truly chaos. <laughs> Um, Though I do stand by the fact that um, the entire point of the song is her mom being like, boys are the devil. This and is like, my trauma. You are, you are correct. Yeah. Boys are the devil. Now that is true, but get a therapist and don't take this out on your daughter. Thank you. Um, and then at the end, like we said, it's Carrie revealing that she, that has, she has telekinesis and her mom's not the boss anymore. I'm in charge. I own 51% of this company, as RuPaul would say. She earned everything. Apollon. <laughs> Apollon. Wow, um, amazing. It's a fun act ender. It is. It's not like as big, it's not like as loud as I like an act, uh, a finale act to be, but. It, it sets the stage for what's to come. Yeah, it, the bright side is act two opens with such a fun ensemble yeah. number that I forgive it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's take a break before that and come back to it. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we'll come back with Act 2 in just a minute. <laughs> Wait, was that really his <laughs> queuing us in? <laughs> I wish that the people at home could hear him cue us in. <laughs> because it's it's different every single time. And it's always unhelpful. <laughs> and it's always slightly aggressive and oh, rude. Yeah. yeah, always. Always very rude, Connor. Incredibly rude. <laughs> I'll never forget the time that he literally got to get us to stop talking, cut us off with the music. 
just Truly didn't even ask us didn't even tell us he was gonna start recording just was like okay here's your intro music and we're there like you go. Okay, all well. right wow go off um, passive aggressive producers you love to see it <laughs> that's why we have them uh You're connor was yeah. prom a night you'd never forget prom was a night i never forgot i actually went to prom three times okay brag <laughs> hottie uh, that's what you get. That's what you get when you date upperclassmen <laughs> as a freshman. <laughs> Makes it that Which is sort of fucked up if you think about it. That's the only time you went to prom, right? Freshman year? Uh, sophomore year. N- sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. Mitch went his sophomore year and then uh, abstained because he was too cool uh, oh. to go junior and senior year. He was too cool. He was like. The Fonz. He was like guitar in his mom's basement. Yeah, and honestly, (laughs) he didn't have time to go dance to Nelly. He had to play the bass guitar. You mean you didn't? He didn't want to be surrounded by a bunch of like sixteen-year-olds grinding a grind line. No, he didn't. It's wild. (laughs) Oh God, a grind line that literally just flashback unlocked so many memories. (laughs) Oh fuck. Um, oh, I went to, I got to, I was actually one of the few gay men ever in history to go, go to, um, prom. <laughs> to prom with my boyfriend. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. Did you take the um, prom pics? Well, no. So we both had female dates. <laughs> okay. And then they specifically like brought us or the girl who brought me to prom the first year specifically brought me to prom so that I could go to prom with him uh-huh because she didn't have a boyfriend and she was like yeah you I'll just take you and then you can go and have a prom date with your boyfriend that's nice which was nice um we didn't get to take cute prom pics okay, but we definitely good. like danced together and Aww, stuff like that that's that nice. was sweet yeah it's really cute I... I'm not saying that like my prom was better, but it was <laughs> a thousand percent. It was mine. Took place at the fairgrounds. <laughs> so the fairgrounds, yes, in the fairgrounds, in a building on the fairgrounds. We didn't have it outside or anything. But... Oh, I was gonna say an outside prom would actually. It, I okay, controversial opinion. <laughs> I think that would be kind of fun. It could be fun, but you got to be careful because hard to decorate, hard to predict Missouri weather, and bugs. True. Oh, true. On all three counts. That's <laughs> tough. Um, yeah. It's no, really hard. I'm always interested to hear other people's prom stories because my prom was not like other people's proms. Like, you, we did not have to buy a ticket to go to prom. Oh, really? Um, we no. did. No, the classes just fundraise to put the prom on and then everyone's invited. Nice. So the junior class um, does fundraising all year, and then that's what gotcha. pays for the decorations budget and stuff. Did you guys do, like, prom king and queen and court and all that? We did do prom king and queen and court. Um, I was never part of that Okay. Um, for prom, so I didn't really pay a t- – I don't really remember it my junior year, but senior year, the guy that I was kind of sort of dating – we didn't go to the prom together as dates. Um, we did go to the prom together and that we physically went to the prom together. <laughs> together. He won prom. Right. Or he was nominated for prom king, I think. Got it. Um, I was nominated. <gasps> oh, my God. So, like, the way that it that we did it 
at our high school, if I remember correctly. Anybody who went to Juliet West that listens to this, you can you are That's feel free to correct a direct me. Direct at at Becky. At <laughs> Becky, um, my best friend <laughs> and number one fan of the pod. Uh, Check out her episode Fun Home. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it. I if I remember correctly, it the way that nominations worked was it was like every club mm. nominated like a guy and a girl uh-huh. so there were tons of nominations like it wasn't bracket. like a yeah a well-seated <laughs> bracket if you will um and uh you like got to camp if you were like nominated you got to campaign so becky and i were Amazing. nominated for choir i want to say amazing but neither of us cared or took it seriously or <laughs> wanted it so we campaigned as a joke so this was like one of my original bits we like only we made these awful like god awful like campaign posters like like uh word art and like digital memes and all this bullshit and we only put them in the choir room and nowhere else in the school i love that <laughs> yeah it was it was very fun choir and then nice. you got to vote for like your picks for court when you bought your ticket i love that yeah. I was nominated for court um for winter formal. I don't know if you guys had that. It was like our winter dance. We um, had a mm-hmm. it was called black and white dance and everybody just wore black and white. Yeah. Cuz like our homecoming was not formal. Um mm. and court warming's not formal. So we do like a formal in the winter and then a gotcha. prom. Um but I was on the court for winter formal my junior year. Um uh, and I Thought it was a trick. I didn't understand how I got on the ballot. I was sure, <laughs> even though I had never seen the movie, that they were someone was going to carry me. Yeah, someone um, was going to pour pig's blood on you. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, was for the longest it. time, I thought that's just what prom was. It was just a ritual to pour <laughs> just, pig's blood on people. Just ritual sacrifice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually, I was very nervous, and I like went up to the stage before we, uh, before we got crowned and stuff, and I like yeah. inspected the rafters because I was truly terrified. <laughs> you like actually like cl- climbed up there and was like, <laughs> I cannot. Climb, but I did look. <laughs> I can't have a pu- a bucket of pig's blood in this. I did not win, so. <laughs> oh well. So this is that the now we get to the moment that you were talking about earlier. The mm-hmm. um, song between Tommy and Sue, they yeah. kind of like go and have their own like private prom. Yeah, because they're little in moment, love. and she's which like, is I'm sacrificing my senior prom night. Right. For your for for Carrie. Um, but she says it in a way that doesn't make her sound so selfish. But they do have like a nice little moment where they're talking. Okay. So I guess what I wanted to get to with all this prom chat was like, did prom mean as much to you as it means to these people? No. Okay, me either. <laughs> I my mom made me go to prom. Oh, really? So yeah. I mean, I ended up having a good time every time I went, but I was just like not a dance. I didn't want to go to dances. And so my mom was like, no, you should go. It'll be fun. And I went both times, but it was never like this hyped, like the senior prom. Right. Like what's the difference between senior prom and prom any other time? Like who cares? Right. Exactly. I feel like this is something that's missing in like a lot of high school media and like, like uh, shows that talk about high school and like what that means. It's like, where is the high school show where prom just doesn't matter? Yeah. because honestly that is the story of high school was like we were all just kind of there yeah we were like okay this is we're like in a hotel ballroom yeah (laughs) and 
we're listening to Soldier Boy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Like, where is, is where is that? I always dreamed of. <laughs> exactly. It's like, where is that story of prom? That's the story. I'm that is the prom content that. that I want. <laughs> Superman, these hoes. I scream in a, a hotel ballroom <laughs> yes. in West Juliet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is the greatest night of my life. <laughs> exactly oh god i just like it doesn't make any sense to me and especially because our prom wasn't s- exclusive to like the seniors uh-huh. like juniors could also go so yes. it was like it didn't feel like a special no thing. no one cares no, no one, one cares. cares everyone's like okay who looks the best who looks the worst right great now I let's sweat it... and grind baby <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's like okay i wore this tuxedo for like three minutes Uh and now i've taken every bit of it off except for the vest and that's it i've been up since 9 a.m so i could get my hair and my nails done bitch i am tired exactly (laughs) and then did you guys did you guys ever do a thing where like the day after after prom you like went and like did something fun no we had project prom that was the night of to keep people from fucking So after prom, everyone got on the bus and we drove to like some rec center in St. Charles and did like ice skating and raffles and and stayed up all night so that no one would get drunk or have sex. Ah, that's fun. I'm sure that worked out perfectly. Yeah, no one was having sex on the bus. Yeah, definitely not. I'm sorry. If I, I know anything about a high school, <laughs> if I know anything about a high school bus, it's that full though, of hand that, jobs. That's full of hand jobs. Everybody's got their fingies somewhere they shouldn't. <laughs> that's just a high school bus. That's just a high school bus. Why do you think that the yeah. band kids In are the notorious dark? for? Band kids are notorious for getting it on with each other for a specific reason. It's because you spend hours on a bus together. Yeah. There's literally nothing else to do, and you can hide most of it with a tuba. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, so they have their little moment. You shine. Uh, why not me? Which is Carrie and the. Oh, she's just like. Why yeah, couldn't it she's be? just singing. She's like, why can't I be cool and fun? Part of the cool kids. <laughs> A song I'm cool and fun. Sung, and it's Carrie. like, Carrie, you're not. It's okay. <laughs> Carrie, you kind of suck, but it's not your fault. Your mom sucks. <laughs> right. You have inherited trauma. It's um, okay. And she's getting ready, and then her mom is like, please do not go to this dance. Um, the oh, mom- while she's getting ready, we should say this is the technical aspect during Why Not Me. That's also when Carrie is getting ready, and she's, yeah. like, using her powers to make, like, her hairbrush fly yeah. and, and her dress spin. Like, she's she's using her powers Matilda style for, like, a yes. fun reason. <laughs> that reminds me i think it was a tumblr tumblr post like back in like 2013 they're like on a scale of matilda to carrie how would you handle telekinetic powers and abusive parents <laughs> <laughs> that's our second matilda reference this episode so. it is <laughs> <laughs> there's a connection here there's a connection there fully is i'm there interested in is. any graphs charts powerpoint presentations you all might have to <laughs> Show that correlation to me. Please tweet at us at bits over B-way on Twitter. Thank you. Email tweet them to at... us, bitsoverbway at gmail.com. I'm interested you... in your presentations. We need to see the presentations. And if you have any scientific evidence, please share it. Please link it. Um, yeah. Then her mom comes up and is like, please don't go. Please. It's going to be so bad if you go. Uh, please don't go. And Carrie's like, her... mom, fuck off. Fuck off, mom. I'm hot. And in this moment, 
She is. is. <laughs> she is hot. Because famously, uh, yeah, she makes the dress herself and she's like, it, like in the movie, isn't it just like, it is almost like a silk nighty, isn't it? A hundred percent is. Yeah. She's yeah. just like, honestly, Michelle Visage would read her to filth for wearing that. She'd be like, it's oh, a fully. nightgown. It's a nightgown. It's a piece of fabric. It's a um. piece of fabric with another piece of fabric wrapped around your arms. It's, let's be honest. <laughs> you look good, but it's a piece of fabric. It's a piece um. of fabric. But um, it's just, this is when um, Marin Mazzi is just giving you everything she's yeah. giving you drama horror you get pathos you get commitment you get ethos you get lack of sex you get sex you get sin you get trauma you get tragedy tonight comedy tomorrow baby you love everything Marin is giving you That's in true. this scene this is because the scene she that was like she seemed more human I know she's being manipulative and abusive but it's like working on me she just seems so yeah. human she's like it feels like she's pleading for her daughter not to go. Absolutely. She's like, please, from the bottom of my heart, like, if you do nothing else for me, just do not go to this dance. I'll do whatever you want if you just don't. Right. Go. Even though uh, this is also, like, after Carrie leaves, this is also the moment where the mom is like, okay, well, I have to kill my daughter. <laughs> unfortunately, she's got to die. Unfortunately, she's a witch, so she must be stoned. Like, yeah. That's yeah. essentially what's happening. But no, you're fully right. Um, it's really you like are finally um uh empathizing with the mother and i feel like the musical does a much better job of humanizing the mom whereas in the movie she's like a monster oh in the movie she's unhinged yeah fully like there's a a little more subtlety (laughs) fully fully (laughs) she's a little more like i get why she has this pull over carrie right like, not to say that abusers have to have a pull over them. No, or but you Carrie has any choice. But like, right. she's she's coming across as human. And you're like, yeah, there's a there's a relationship there. It's primarily abusive and oppressive. But right. she is still her mother. And that is still her child. And there is some weird connection there. And oh, it's 100%. the most human uh, the, that it is in the whole show right yes. there in that song. Yeah, that one moment. Um, which mm-hmm. is really good, and that speaks to the um, one of the reasons why this show um, has like such a um, uh, staying power, and why yeah. it did find such a cult hitting because or cult yeah. um, classic or oh, like status yeah. mm-hmm. um, because you get those moments um, that you don't get from the other ways that the story is told. For sure. Um, and then prom arrival, everyone's pulling up. Carrie's like, wait, this might be a bad idea. Tommy's like, no, it's going to be great, which is really nice. And I got to say, this is this is when the night you'll never forget reprises. And it's in a minor key. <laughs> uh, Something's amiss. <laughs> I wish I could take a picture of you doing that. <laughs> Something's amiss. Connor looked very good. Uh yeah, something is about to be royally uh, fucking amiss. Um, <laughs> royally fucking amiss. <laughs> True uh, words have never then, been spoken. So then we get to uh, unsuspecting hearts reprise, which is where the coach is being incredibly Once again, inappropriate. Inappropriate. Too much. You do not need to be this involved with this teenage with girl's life. One student. One student. 
you don't care. You're you're not showing this kind of like involvement in literally any other. No, student. you're actively being mean to the other students. <laughs> she goes out of her care. way to be mean to the <laughs> to other be students. Shitty. Uh, then we have a reprise of Dreamer in Disguise, which is basically just where Carrie and Tommy are having a nice night at the prom, sort right. of chatting about his um sensitive po- poetic side mm. um she's like i love your poems and he's like wow really even though we all know he wrote them to try and get girls to like him exactly um, that's the only that's the reason, only reason guys write poetry for girls for girls <laughs> gay guys too yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter hello <laughs> i got i had so many girlfriends in high school and this so is not many. a joke i, I did so have many. a lot of girlfriends <laughs> I dated like four women before I came out. That's, ing- that's, that's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. We applaud you. Um, Thank you. I was a heartbreaker. You were. So <laughs> so that's the very last like nice moment we get where Tommy's like, you're a real girl, Pinocchio, and this, this <laughs> night's not a dream. And then we cut to prom climax where it certainly is a, not a <sighs> dream, but a nightmare. A nightmare. Uh, I have to say, I every single fucking moment that Chris has in the show is a goddamn banger. I simply love a fucking banger. Heather Chandler wishes that she had what Chris has. I agree. And I and honestly, I know that that's an unpopular opinion, but I stand by it. And I support you. Uh, Thank you. <clears throat> alma mater, I assume is. I can't remember what's going on there. They, uh, that is when Tommy and Carrie have just been crowned. Okay, okay. That's Kong funny. and Quan, and um, uh, they all sing the alma mater to salute them. Yeah. And like, this is where I want to say that um, this is where we step out of the realm of reality <laughs> because no person in high school knows their school no, song. I don't know it now. I never knew it then, and I had to play it in band. <laughs> and I fucking did not know what the fuck it was. Yeah, no. Uh, no. No one would ever sing their alma mater. And that is honestly the only thing of this show that That's is unrealistic. outside of the realm of possibility. I I'm agree. sorry. 100%. <laughs> then we get to the destruction. All the doors close. That's where Carrie... Um, pops off uh, she fully she's <laughs> tight let's have a, a kiki you'll never forget <laughs> um and yes. then she fully murders a kiki everyone. that uh murders everybody at the end yeah um except for sue sue gets away but um one of the things that's really interesting about the the show um is the way that they do the destru- destruction. This is like one of the most technically heavy aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in the EGATS production that we both saw, I um, I was dating somebody in the production, so I kind of like got to see, like figured out a little bit behind the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, because, uh, again, with the uh, problem with the mics, you can't get the mic wet, otherwise it won't work. So the entire destruction scene um is just drenched in red light Mm -hmm. and um it is made to look like carrie has blood on her Mm -hmm. but there's specifically like she leaves the stage at a certain point and then comes on um 
with strategic blood drenched on her so that the mic doesn't get wet because you have to like take care of the production side of things. And then there's also like all these cables swinging and like sparks and like things flashing. It's a really, when it's done right, it looks really cool. For sure. Um, Yeah. So she fucking wipes the place. Um, And Sue gets away because Sue was trying to warn the coach about um, Chris's plot. Right. And because the, she saw the bucket and she was like, I don't trust that bucket. <laughs> Never trust a bucket. Never and trust a bucket. The coach is like, I knew you were behind this. Get the hell out of here. And essentially, like, kicks her out moments before um, <clears throat> the distraction happens. One of the things that's interesting is that the 2012 um, production kind of adheres a little bit closer to the book mm. in the adaptation as opposed to the Maybe. the 88 production okay. on Broadway. Because in the 88 production, the mom follows Carrie to prom and kills Carrie at prom oh. or like after that. Whereas in the 2012 production, Carrie leaves the school and yeah. in the book – uh, they kind of adhere to it a little bit more. Carrie basically destroys the entire town. She, uh, in in the book, she goes on a rampage and basically like fells power lines. She destroys um, like gas stations, mm-hmm. causes explosions all over the town. Mm-hmm. And as she's doing that, she's like telepathically like talking to the people in the town and being like, you all suck. So this is what you get. So Sue, in the book and in the 2012 production, follows this path of destruction to find Carrie. And um, I think that in the 2012 production, Chris and Billy die in the school. Whereas, Mm. like, in the book, um, uh, Chris, uh, like, (laughs) Carrie basically tracks the two of them down and murders them. (laughs) Yeah, kind of same with the movie. Except they're following Carrie. And they oh, interesting. Run her over with a car, and she turns yeah. around and then flips their fucking car with her brain. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Wild but um, the 2012 production, when they reworked the book, they kind of ad- or reworked the book of the musical. They adhered a little bit lo- closer to that plot because Carrie leaves the school and she goes home, where she finds like a little like solace from her mother, who then stabs her. In stabs the her. <laughs> with the fucking knife or at least in the movie i don't remember from the production but it is wild she's like yeah, holding she fucking her stabs, her. stabs her in the back um thou shall not suffer a witch to live <laughs> not good not, not good. good not um, good um and then sue comes upon her after this but happens then and carrie kills her mom yeah carrie telepathically stops her heart <laughs> oh that's how it works in the movie. yeah in the movie, she stabs her with knives, and she ends up looking like a little Jesus Christ figurine at the end. Oh, I do, do remember, remember that. that? Um, yeah. Which is, you know, symbolism. Uh- <laughs> symbolism. <laughs> Famously, religion, symbolism, mm-hmm. uh, metaphor, simile. Et cetera, et cetera. You, et cetera. You know you, you've been to English 101. <laughs> um, yeah, so she Carrie kills her mom, and then in the musical, Sue is with Carrie in her last yes. moments, kind of like yeah. holds her as she that also happens in the book um okay. where care where it's sort of like this uh, again coming back to like uh what i was talking about earlier with like what is the point of religion in this show um sue kind of comes along and acts as this forgiving force mm-hmm. um she and it's also fine like a final act of redemption redemption for sue because mm-hmm. she and carrie have this final moment 
where Carrie's like, uh, Carrie is forgiven by Sue, mm-hmm. sort of, and Sue is redeemed in Carrie's eyes mm-hmm. um, as Carrie is dying in Sue's arms. Yeah. And then there's like this weird moment where like Sue gets her period the minute that Carrie dies. And I'm like, okay, that's a little we strange. We keep going back to the period. Right. I feel like it's so, like in my brain, I guess I see the through line because she gets covered in blood and yeah, but like to me, the period is just, that's not like a theme. That's just like a an initial, I guess it sparks a lot of the problems, but I just like, right. I don't understand using that as a through line. That's so weird. I know. Well, it, yeah, I don't know. This is because I famously don't like to think about periods and wish they were abolished. <laughs> wish they were abolished. <laughs> so I didn't sure. have to talk about them or think about them or consider them in art. Of course. Um, I mean, this was the the book was a spe- like a specific response that uh, Stephen King had. This was Stephen um, King's response to "Are you there, God? It's me, Mark." <laughs> Yes, 100%. Um, It was definitely not a response to him being criticized as uh, not being able to write women. (laughs) A much pettier reason, if you ask me to write a book, than to to respond to Judy Blume's Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm having my period again. (laughs) I thought I asked you to stop. Um... (laughs) I never read that book, so I can't speak to it. I don't know why. You can't believe you were never a wil- young woman on the precipice of menstruation. <laughs> no, I wa- I read all the fudge books. Yeah, of course. Judy Bloom fucking rules. Yeah, Judy Bloom, Bloom fucking rocks. Writing like, about periods, writing about anything else. Judy Bloom all the way, baby. We're Team Bloom yeah, over here. Team Bloom. You'll love to see it. All right. So then we have Sue's final song, and it's just basically uh, saying, hey, other people have feelings. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's tried this, but, like, you can be nice. Like, have you ever thought of that? Have you ever thought about how you could just do nice to people? And they would yeah. like to say you're sorry. Wild. A wild, wild hypothesis. Wild concepts. Interesting postulation. <laughs> Not sure about that, Sue. We'll get back to you. Yes, 100%. Still thinking on it, frankly. We're, <laughs> we're going to take that into consideration. Yeah. We'll, take put it under it, we'll file it away. Of course, of course. We'll form a committee. Noted for the record. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, did the secretary get that in the minutes? Just wanted <laughs> course, to make sure it's all, all above it's all board. All there, all... <laughs> <laughs> squared away um yeah and then the show's over and then the show's over um it's really interesting i, I was reading a lot about the show and about the original production and that kind of thing and uh one new york times article about the 2012 revival brought up a good point in that one of the reasons why the show doesn't work on broadway is because um horror doesn't really translate to musical theater very well mm-hmm um, I would argue that the show does its best. Sure. Um, and I think that the show works best when it um, leans into also like the campier elements of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally get why it flopped mm-hmm. so hard. Um, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good one. It sounded like to me that it flopped mostly because uh, the investors got spooked. Yeah. And essentially, even yes. though the numbers were there for them, they were like, we don't know how long this will hold. Right. Um, which is, yeah. Which is a risky run, but also like, just wait for the numbers to reflect that. I don't know. Listen, yeah. I'm not rich. I can't tell rich people how to spend their money. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I wish I could. <laughs> would that I could. Would that I there could. There are actually people who have the ability to make that policy. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Here we sit. Um, um, yeah, no, I think that horror doesn't need to be. I think there's a way to do horror on the stage that. Mm-hmm will always be different from how horror movies are made. Exactly. Um, because I feel like with the way, and I'm, I'm sorry to like no, budge ahead. in, but I feel like the way that, um, and this is seen in other shows that do horror, like um, there's an Evil Dead musical. Um, there are other, or like Rocky Horror is mm-hmm. technically a horror show. Um, American Psycho, would that be? American Psycho. It You have to lean into the more goofy parts of horror because yeah. horror and comedy are so closely linked because sure. it's all about um timing it's all about um em- like tension Building and tension. release mm-hmm. um so i feel like especially in shows like american psycho doesn't really lean into the the, the camp as much mm-hmm. but it still does have like that that push and pull of um horror and comedy um whereas like a show like the evil dead the musical that is like they go full camp yeah they like literally have blood cannons that spray into the audience like it you are still have those horror elements but you're playing with them i'd argue little shop of horrors plays with horror as well it is still absolutely musical i would but again one of those that leans into the camp elements of it Right, um, and I think with this too, I don't think it's trying to be too earnest. I think the benefit of high school as a setting is that you can lean more into the camp element. Yeah, for sure. High school can be so cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, either just looking back on it, or you know, understanding that high school is all blown out of proportion anyway. Yeah. Um. So <clears throat> it it um works nicely as a as a camp sort of setting. Same with Absolutely. Heather's, same with... Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, even Mean Girls, although that's not horror. That's pretty strictly comedy. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there are ways to do horror on stage um, and leaning into the camp and really leaning into comedy helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because it, it does speak... I mean, musical theater is very much not a a traditional medium for horror mm-hmm. um people would generally go to see musicals to see the sweeping broadway numbers the yeah. comedy of the shows mm-hmm. or to even when you do have more serious shows like um spring awakening or next to normal mm-hmm. it's still you have like those moments of levity that mm-hmm. let you in on the show you're not even going there to be is... scared you're going there exactly to be moved emotionally right um and i would argue that horror can move you emotionally for sure um but I think it just has to be handled correctly. Absolutely. And I think you could get that out of Carrie. I think there's some genuine moments of um, emotion between her mom and herself. Absolutely. Um, between her and Tommy, between Sue and Tommy. Like you can absolutely get those uh, emotional moments out of it. 
Um, but yeah, you're right. It takes a, a, a delicate hand to guide that. For sure. For sure. Okay. Um, anything else? Nope. That's right. good for me. Connor, Should we do? Man and yeah. is for me? Man and Chair. I really do love this show. Um, I think that the music is really, really good. It has a lot of really good um, bops and bangers. Um, I think that it's a really interesting adaptation and a faithful adaptation um, of the like adaptations that we have covered on mm-hmm. the show recently. Um, I think this one sticks to the source material pretty well, but also plays with it in mm-hmm. interesting ways, like building on the relationship between Carrie and her mother and um, fleshing Sue out as a character more um, really well. Um, and it's just like seeing it really helps um, the production that we saw. I really enjoyed when I saw it all those for what fuck seven years ago. Yeah. Seven or eight. Jesus. Um, but it was still a really fun number uh, or a really fun show to see. Um, and I think that uh, it will continue to live on in its cult status. And I hope that uh, people who listen to this will go out and um, try and explore and learn a little bit more about the show. For sure. Um, stage and, it in your high school. Yeah. Stage it in your high school, <laughs> stage it in your regional theaters. You yeah. love to see it. Mayor, uh, man and share this for us. I really enjoyed this musical. It is fun there are some, as Connor said, bops and bangers even. Um, of course. And I love that. The World According to Chris going on the Broadway playlist. It's so fun. I love it. Yes. Um, overall, probably not like a show that I would listen to regularly, not mm-hmm. like in rotation. But if it was ever playing near us, I would go see it. Like I yeah. would absolutely go see any production mounted of it just because – we we touched on it briefly, but the technical aspects of this show make it so interesting. Like, I just want to see how people stage it. Oh, absolutely. Because of all the effects, all the actual technical talent that is needed to stage right. this show. Um, so I would be interested to go and see it for that reason. Uh, but also the music is fun. And when you have, like, good leads and really incredible actors, then I think it would really be something to um, watch out for. It'd be, yeah, for sure. It would be fun. So, um, yeah, two thumbs up for me. Yay. Do you have anything to plug, Connor? Uh, no, as usual, you can find me at CRELIA12 across all platforms. Um, you'll find my uh, funny writing there. You can find my funny videos on TikTok. You can find basically anything anywhere I, that I do on social media. <laughs> uh, that. Yeah, that's my entire life. Do you want to give you, out Mara? your switch code? <laughs> <laughs> We'll link it in the um, show notes. Go you, it's already <laughs> it's already out on my Twitter. So if you, fi- if you follow me on Twitter, we can be switch friends, and you can come to my island on Animal Crossing. Come to Connor's island. I it's getting really you, cute. My whole timeline is just Animal Crossing at this point, um, and also like you know other things, but mostly well, Animal course. Crossing. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've just Googled switch to see how much one would cost and i forget every time like it can't be more than like a hundred dollars and i'm like oh my god it's so much money i can't it is a full game system (laughs) i just keep tricking myself into being like yeah it's like a game boy it's fine um and it is god if only and also i don't like video games so like why would i want to play it but i want to play it because i want to know what everyone's talking about yeah it's just really cute it's fun it's very relaxing i play the pocket Um, version 
Oh, okay. So I yeah. have that, um, and it bores me to tears. So I can't imagine yeah, that the full really game would not be that fun great. for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that, but on a larger scale. Yeah, I and don't... slightly better because you get more control over like the design and everything. Okay, that I probably would enjoy more. Yeah. Um, okay, so we won't post your Switch thing, but if you want, <laughs> but if you follow it, me on, if you just follow me on Twitter, <laughs> um, Mare, anything for you to plug? No nothing for me to plug you can find me across all platforms at meryl k um i love tweets about uh tiktoks i love <laughs> tweets about uh f- other funny things um oh you can follow this podcast across all platforms at bits over bway uh you can email us bits over bway at gmail.com you can find us on soundcloud stitcher google play apple podcasts uh Anywhere you find your podcasts, we're there. If we're not there, please let me know and I'll get us there. <laughs> um, uh, you can find us on Patreon. That's That link is in our show notes. We have made a Spotify for Bits Over Broadway. I mean, you can find us on Spotify, but we've also made like a user on Spotify. That link yeah. is in our show notes. Um, and, you know, Connor will make a Broadway playlist for that. I'll make a Broadway playlist. Mitch has made a list for... A playlist for the facts and figs songs <laughs> he uses to get drops from. We post show hints. So hints for that week's show that's dropping um, on Twitter and Instagram uh, on usually Tuesday or Monday before the episode drops. So check yep. that out. And check our Patreon for our check-ins. <laughs> I don't even know what we're calling them <laughs> at this point. I'm sure we'll have a fun name by the time they release. Uh, where Connor and I just catch up. Anything else, Connor? Did I forget? Nope. Okay. I think that's it. All right. Bye. Bye. Now you're dead to me and I'll never speak to you again. Go into your cellar. It's Go into your closet, you little freak. <laughs> you little freak bitch. And my... <laughs>